BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Well, Connor, we finally got the big abortion decision out of the United States Supreme Court. Yes, not a surprise. Not a shock at all. As a matter of fact, I think uh, some folks put the Alito draft of May 2 that was leaked side by side with the final version. And other than some non-substantive changes, Mm -hmm. it was every single syllable that changed. So nothing changed. So we're going to talk about that. Specifically, it's a post-Roe world. What happened and what's next? That's question one for us. Question two, another Supreme Court case. Does America now have an official religion? Football. You know, Connor, when I was a kid, the national pastime was baseball. A better time. That was our national religion. Yeah. Nowadays, it's NBA basketball, it's NFL football. Baseball is kind of, you know, third Playing best. third fiddle, yeah. But uh, football now is the official religion, uh, in a way. Washington State football coach uh, liked to take a knee, not in a BLM way, nope. but in a... Christian Let's prayer. praise God way yeah. at the 50-yard line. And so the Supreme Court uh, decision is in favor of him. And third and finally, did the Supreme Court just gut the Miranda rule? Yeah, what sounds, a week sounds fishy. for civil A fishy rights. question. Holy cow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have an aneurysm over here. Yeah, it's going to be a big, big uh, issue that we're going to talk about. Uh, and our feature, Guess the Verdict. Uh, Connor's going to get to guess the outcome of a real-life case. It's the case of a cowboy's last request. And Connor's going to take the challenge, try to guess the outcome of the case. So let's get to uh, question number one. It's a post-row world. What happened and what's next? So first issue is what did the decision say? I mean, we kind of had a preview because, as I just said, uh, it didn't really change. But just to refresh everybody's memory, Roe and Casey have been overruled. Uh, Majority opinion by Alito said there is nothing in the Constitution about abortion uh, or privacy. And the Constitution, he said, does not implicitly protect the right to abortion or the right to privacy. And he concluded dramatically the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. The key being whether the Constitution gave a right to an abortion. Uh, Alito argued strenuously Casey never addressed this. It just said we upheld Roe or we uphold Roe. Uh, And he argues Roe didn't really get into the issue either. Uh, And of course, he talked about uh, respect for precedent, but he said, nonetheless, we have a right to assess the strength of the basis of Roe's decision. As a lot of people's grandmothers will tell you, everything before the but is a lie. We respect (laughs) precedent, but okay. 
Did grandmothers really say that? Oh, yeah. That's good advice from grandma on how to interpret these things. So the first real question was whether the 14th Amendment's reference to liberty protects a particular right like abortion. Because when you think about the Constitution, it's a roadmap for the structure of the nation, the national government. There's the executive branch and there's the legislative branch and there's the judicial branch and then a bunch of boring, uh, you know, other subsidiary issues. Mm -hmm. But they don't get to the rights until they get to the amendments. And of course, the first 10 amendments, famously the Bill of Rights, speech, religion and etc. Nothing in there, arguably, about abortion or privacy. And then there are some additional amendments after the first 10, including the hugely important 14th Amendment that came along in the Civil War time. That whole era are known as the Reconstruction Amendments. After the Civil War, you have a bunch of amendments that say, okay, uh, well, it turns out our whole Constitution thing might have been inadequate in several ways. We got to make some changes. We're, we, we're adapting to the times. We're changing and we're, we're moving and we're updating uh, and we're going to fix this. And first of all, slavery is gone. Right. And then you've got uh, uh, basically treat everybody I- equally. Right. Mm-hmm. You've got these important uh, rules. Right. That 13th they, and 14th. Right. That you lay down, um, you know, equal protection uh, and the end of slavery. And these are the, the, I, the most constant consequential of all of the of the the post bill of rights amendments really you can call the the bill of rights amendments uh, even more foundational than the reconstruction ones just because they went part and parcel nobody came along later after the constitution had been written and said oh dang it uh 10 years ago we didn't think about this let's right. add these bill of rights. They, they were part of the negotiation over the constitution and so really everyone understands them, considers those first 10 amendments to be part of the Constitution in in every uh, in every single way. And they were, you know, uh, without those 10 amendments, they never would have gotten to a full agreement on the main Constitution itself. Right. So let me sort of recap Alito's approach to this issue right. of, of the basic right. And, and then uh, please give your take. So mm-hmm. what he said was, all right, um, no abortion And no privacy. Those words don't appear in the Constitution. Nobody disputes that. But he says, even though it it weren't mentioned, there are some cases out of the Supreme Court over the decades that say that if something is deeply rooted as a right in American history, then doggone it, the Constitution protects it, even though the word isn't in there. And he noted, he argued, well, until the 1970s, abortion was not exactly considered a deeply rooted constitutional right by most Americans. Indeed, it was considered a crime by many, many states. And he argued that Roe and Casey said privacy is important, that freedom to make intimate and personal choices are central to personal dignity and autonomy. That's a constitutional right. But he argues that, well, you know, the fact of the matter is the right of the fetus to live is a consideration. And people in many states think that overcomes the right to make an intimate choice. What's your take on this general approach to the argument that Roe is just wrongly decided and outmoded and it's time to make a change? I mean, my take on it is the same take that legal scholars have had uh, critiquing the, the, the conservative position, attacking Roe v. Wade and, and Planned Parenthood v. Casey for the 50 years since it's been uh, uh, law. And that the answer is that this is a simplistic, myopic, intentionally simplistic and oversimplistic view of the Constitution to say originalism or textualism are these real lenses through which you actually view the Constitution uh, and, and, and criticize it and judge it and, and make decisions about what laws should stand and don't and what the Constitution does and should project, protect. To look at it through a, a, a textual lens or an originalist lens is simply to apply your own political judgment and substitute the judgment of a bunch of slave-owning, uh, lead-poisoned 
uh, ancestors to, to say, you know, very, very kindly uh, substitute that for the judgment of modern society to say that, well, we can't advance, we can't progress because of the words on this page, because of the original intent, uh, both of which we're making up, right? Especially the original intent. Holy cow. But you're even making up the definitions of the words. I mean, when it comes to the right to bear arms, they're making up the definition of uh, the, the the words bear arms uh, to include modern weaponry like an AR-15 or a, a, even a modern handgun. Uh, the, the founding fathers had no conception of the scientific advancements that would, would come out of uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Beretta and Remington factories uh, that indicate, you know, what we now uh, rather that have changed what we now mean when we say uh, firearms. Right. They had a whole different conception and they had a whole different conception of the result as a result of what firearms meant, why they the individuals or the militias made up of individuals ought to have a, a right to bear those firearms. And in the same way, any rational person looking at the scientific advancements that we've made in the medical field and just in the social you know, sphere in our world where we understand what it takes to create a society that is equal and fair for women and uh, minorities and poor people and everybody else who needs to avail themselves of the benefits of society and improve their lot in life and strive and, and be happy and, you know, live long and prosper in the words of Star Trek. And how do you <laughs> achieve that? Right. How do you accomplish that? Well, you got to have a, certain things. You got to have public schools and public libraries. You got to have infrastructure that people can use roads to drive on and public buses and trams and, and subways to ride. You've got to have health care available at an affordable price and you got to have government step in and fix things if those things aren't available if structural reasons step in and make those things not available and society and science together advance to say wow actually the fun abortion being a fundamental right and a crucial component of women's health care in this country is mandatory to make women full and free citizens in this country. If you can be forced to carry your rapist's baby or even just a baby that you are not capable or confident in your ability to raise or even just a baby you don't want to raise, if you can be forced to carry that person to term, you are not a free and fair and full and equal person in America. And that's pretty much uh, the the synopsis of the dissent uh, by uh, Breyer uh, and, of course, Sotomayor and Kagan joined him. Let's talk about whether, uh, as suggested, Suggested uh, by Senator Manchin, Senator uh, Thomas, and AOC, um, uh, Susan uh, Collins, excuse me, from Maine, uh, whether the justices lied when they were yeah. on, in their confirmation hearings. Yeah. Now, uh, when they said, oh, yeah, we respect uh, precedent. Now, it, you know, respect for precedent uh, was acknowledged as being important in Alito's opinion, but he said it is not without limits. And of course, he mentioned Brown versus Board of Education overturning Plessy versus Ferguson. There are five factors for precedent, nature of the court's error, quality of the reasoning, workability, understandability by the public, effect on other areas of the law and reliance interests. So that's the challenge that the justices faced. Um, they're going to go back and they're going to take a look at every syllable of uh, 
the nomination hearings mm-hmm. for the justices who voted to uh, overturn Raid, yeah. uh, Roe versus Wade, and they're going to try to figure out. I mean, AOC says let's impeach them because yeah. because they lied. You know, um, Wall Street Journal, of course, has been uh, looking into this. They editorialized several days ago. They did not lie. The justices did not lie. They said that they were following. Uh, the justices said they were following the exa- example of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who explained it would be wrong for me to say or preview in this chamber how I would cast my vote on questions. Questions the Supreme Court may be called on to decide. Gorsuch said, Roe is a precedent. It's been reaffirmed. A good judge would consider it precedent of the U.S. Supreme Court worthy as treatment of president, precedent like any other. Kavanaugh said, Roe is an important precedent of the Supreme Court. Uh, he, the precedent on precedent is quite important uh, as you think about stare decisis in this context. He was talking about Casey upholding Roe. So the, the question is, is there really enough in there for people to seriously say, you know, folks, we really think you lied. There have to be consequences. Uh, haul them up on impeachment. Do you think that's a realistic avenue for uh, critics of this decision? Yeah, I, I think it is a, a realistic avenue. I think that uh, the current Democratic leadership, not the whole party, but the majority of them and the leadership uh, don't think it's a viable outlet because they don't really care about progressive change. They don't really want to accomplish anything. They don't really care about women's health uh, or, frankly, the equality that stems from uh, the equality of women's health care in this country. They don't really care about the right to abortion. They just want to get elected again. And that is the problem with politicians generally, career politicians and what they you know end up doing uh, in a country where money Money flows freely from corporations and is treated as though it's speech. And you give such enormous uh, wealth and privilege to those people who hold these high offices for so long. And you don't have age limits and you don't have term limits. And you just get people who are more and more entrenched and stuck and left over from a previous generation who don't appreciate the the swiftness with which must change must come uh, to accomplish and the, the urgency that every new generation is faced with to accomplish the hurdles that that generation needs to accomplish. This generation is a unique one in that we are thrown many new challenges. Uh, those younger than I and and I and my generation are thrown, for example, COVID. Uh, we are thrown, for example, global warming. We are thrown many complicated, difficult challenges uh, to tackle. And if you have a, a party establishment that sits on its laurels and says, I've been around, I'm Joe Biden, I'm Nancy Pelosi, and I've been around for 50, 60, 70 years, however long they've been mm-hmm. in, in Washington politics uh, in total. Well, since they were 110 years. Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, since they were, you know, running around uh, in, in little uh, interns, I guess, jackets or whatever they have <laughs> interns wear on Capitol Hill. Um, these, you know, folks don't understand the urgency with which each generation must tackle its own problems. And they need to get the heck out of the way. You need to let the AOCs of the world uh recognize the the challenges that are coming and solve them in innovative ways, including speaking truth to the truly powerful and taking action based on that speech. Not just speaking, but but taking action. I mean, I am 
very angry, of course, at the conservatives who have been working for this moment for 50, 60 years, working from grassroots religious organizations and, and political organizations at the very bottom level and pushing and pushing, and pushing and on, applying pressure. I am enraged at the violence, the, the murderous violence that people committed against abortion providers and the violence they committed every time a, people walk into a, an abortion clinic and have to have to survive the screaming and the threats and the yelling and the coercion of these protesters along the way. I am enraged by that. But you know what also enrages me is Nancy Pelosi giving a statement the day that Roe v. Wade is overturned where she reads a poem. Hmm. Guess, as, as many other people have said, she doesn't lay out a plan for the future. She doesn't say, this is how we're going to fix it. This is what we're going to do. This is why this is wrong. And this is how we're going to fix it. She reads a poem and then sits back on her laurels and lets AOC actually put out a plan. Am I angry at the arsonist, as other people online, smart people have said? Yes. Am I just as angry or more angry at the firefighter who shows up, reads a poem at the scene and refuses to put out the fire? These people need to make moves. They need to make changes. They need to fix this. And they have the power to do it when they have every elected branch of government in their hands. They have the reins and they need to yank on those reins to make changes. When somebody lies and says, I will not overturn Roe v. Wade, they didn't say those words. Sure, Mr. Wall Street Journal editorial author, they didn't say the words, I will not overturn Roe v. Wade. And yeah, they hearken back to RBG as the one who began this modern era of I won't comment on anything. But guess what? I don't think RBG was right to do that. I think if you want to be on the Supreme Court for life, if you want to have one of the, the nine most powerful job titles on the planet until you freaking die, you got to tell us what you're going to do Two when you have this power. don't make her right. Yeah, exactly. we're handing you a loaded gun and you could point that at America. What are you going to do? Are you going to pull the trigger or not? Tell yeah. us. The idea that you would say, oh, well, you know, it's, it, they're, they're, they didn't lie. They told us what they would do. They said precedent is important. If somebody says to you, this precedent is precedent, it's precedent, precedent, important. What are you going to do to it? And they go, precedent is important. They mean they're not going to overturn it. So if you we think, know what they if mean. If you think Connor's worked up about this, wait till <sighs> he hears, when we come back, wait till you hear his reaction to this question. What about Clarence Thomas's uh, oh concurrence opinion where he says, you know what, um, this is a good start, but we think this same rationale would support getting rid of uh, the recognition of birth control rights oh and uh, getting uh, rid of the, you know, the consensual sex laws and same-sex marriage. That is on the docket when we come back. But first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. How do I tell somebody to rate and subscribe? I'm too worked up. Yeah, I but, can't tell you to go you... to your podcast platform of choice and press <laughs> join or subscribe or like or whatever the button says and make sure to get every episode pushed to your inbox every week so you don't have to download it. And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. I can't do that. I'm too worked up. So you did. Uh, you took a good stab at it. I'll say that. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
Buckle up, folks. The Car Pro Show podcast is here to rescue you from the doldrums of everyday life. And you can find it on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast cravings take you. What do we have here, Doctor? Looks like yet another case of the Car Pro Show podcast giddies. Do you concur? I concur. And it's spreading like wildfire. I know, but the podcast is so powerful. Jerry and Kevin dish out all the juicy car news from the Car Pro Friends universe. They review and chat about the latest car lineups from all the big players in the industry. And they take live calls to help steer car buyers in the right direction. It's highly addictive and impossible to shake. Do we alert the press? Are you crazy? If more people discover the Car Pro Show podcast and its cornucopia of car curriculum, this thing will spiral out of control. Listen to the Car Pro Show on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast desires take you. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com <laughs> This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. I'm Connor Oaks. So, Clarence Thomas's uh, concurring opinion, Connor, to uh, this uh, big uh, abortion decision by yeah. Alito. Alito wrote the court's opinion, but Thomas yeah. said, well, I like it, but here are some additional thoughts. Even worse. He said that we really ought to look at some other laws that, that courts, uh, Supreme Courts in the past have said, oh, this is a constitutional right. So, for example, Connecticut had a law back in the 50s and 60s in the Griswold case, and Connecticut said, birth control, it be bad. We are Roman Catholics, and yeah. so it's illegal to have birth control. Right. And then the Lawrence case came along in the late 1960s. There had been the laws against consensual sex, sodomy laws, and so on. The U.S. Supreme Court said, basic constitutional right. These laws are out the window. Yeah, Lawrence v. Texas, horrifyingly, the couple, uh, the two men who were arrested for having uh, deviant sexual intercourse were arrested in 1999. And Lawrence v. Texas was decided in 2003. Until 2003, this country was uh, allowed states to criminalize homosexual acts. And then we go to the third and final one Thomas mentioned, same-sex marriage. Obergefell. The famous Obergefell yeah. case in 2015. His suggestion is, you know, just wait, uh, wait, uh, there's more. So this is the majority opinion by Alito actually said, I think maybe in response to Thomas' concurrence, um, you know, we're not on board with the train about getting rid of, you know, <laughs> the birth control as a right. The distinction they tried to draw was, well, those are different because here the fetus's life is at stake. Yeah. And that's what makes abortion yeah, but their, a little different. Their new calculus, where they obliterate the Roe v. Wade uh, as a fundamental uh, right stemming from the right to privacy, which stems from other constitutional rights in a vague sort of way, but in a way that everyone has understood as part of our legal analysis of the Constitution. Legal scholars have come to this conclusion and said that, you know, when you say the word freedom, what does that mean? OK, well, why do we want what what is freedom mean? How do we accomplish freedom? How do we accomplish happiness and, and equality and all these other things? And you say, you know, all these 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 years, decades more than decades of legal scholarship trying to decide what makes a good society, throw that all out the window and go with this idea of, well, deeply entrenched rights. And that will protect us. That will make sure that we get rid of Roe v. Wade, but we don't get rid of gay marriage. We don't get rid of uh, consensual uh, you know, sex that is not you know, heterosexual in, or standard in some way, laws against sodomy, things like that. 
that'll protect the right to to uh, uh, to uh, uh, contraception, like in Griswold v. Connecticut. Oh, really? Really? That will, Mr. Alito? That you think that you think that uh, a future uh, Supreme Court, after you retire and Trump appoints four more freaking justices to the uh, the Supreme Court, you think the next Supreme Court that takes on Griswold v. Connecticut is going to say that the right to contraception is deeply entrenched in American history? What about all the times and places in American history? where dangerous crypto crypto fascists outlawed contraception and said it was a crime then that that would in the same way that you're saying that abortion was criminalized and therefore isn't a deeply entrenched right griswold v connecticut is next like it is on the chopping block absolutely clarence thomas's might not have the majority opinion here but it's coming i mean that is the the logical progression of this this is not a slippery slope fallacy an argument where you say well it's it's irrational or it's silly or it's over the top it's it's exaggerating for you to say that we're going to sleep sliding down this slope you have no connection between this and the next step down that slippery slope this is a case where the connection is clear and obvious this is literally a slippery slope this, well not literally figuratively a slippery slope we are going from well something is not deeply entrenched because it has been a crime considered a crime by many people in many states in american's history well guess what else has been considered a, a crime in american history and various people, various people in certain states. Oh, I don't know. How about contraception? How about sodomy? How about gay marriage? How about slavery? And it, how it was a crime for black people to be free and in control of themselves in American history. So maybe the 14th Amendment and for the end of so 13th Amendment and the end of slavery isn't deeply entrenched in American law. There is no end to this. You can always find a situation in American history and law where uh, the thing you don't like has been, you know, uh, has been called a crime. And boom, there it goes. There go our fundamental protections. So you your passion on this issue leads to my final abortion topic question, and that is impact on the midterms, question mark. I mean, Connor, if this doesn't help energize the Democrat base, I don't know what, what will. will. I yeah. mean, polls yeah. suggest that by roughly two thirds to one third margin, Americans supported Roe versus Wade. How could this decision not help the Democrats. I mean, even Donald Trump is says he's very worried about the effect uh, of this decision on the chances of Republicans in the midterm. I, I mean, talk about irony here. He's the guy who guaranteed the likelihood of this decision. And I think this is his yeah. comment is just further evidence that he doesn't care about any issue, much less abortion. Oh, yeah. of course. It, it means nothing to him. The only thing yeah. is, oh my gosh, the Republicans better, the do, better do well now yeah. so that I can do well in 2024. Yeah. Are you optimistic? About no, that? I'm not. I mean, as you might about list, the midterms, listeners I mean, of the pod might no, no. remember that Connor's not optimistic about anything. <laughs> no, but I'm not optimistic about that because, unfortunately, I don't think that righteous anger actually is going to energize the Democratic base. I think that losing on a major policy tentpole issue will depress the base. I think it will it will crush the spirits of the base. It will make people less likely to be excited and go out there and say, Joe Biden is my guy again. But didn't the success of Obamacare help uh, get the Republicans out? And they had a great victory in the midterms uh, after Obama's uh, first half of his You're first right. term. Sometimes policy successes on one side can be vilified and that can energize your base and bring you out. But I would say that a larger effect than that, I think that Obama's, you know, crash uh, after Obamacare in the polls and the, the Republican resurgence is kind of a natural flow of how uh, of how presidents generally come into office riding a big wave. Yeah, of almost without exception. Then midterms in the first term, yeah. whammo, you get hit. You get hit, you crash and you fall. And that pattern is very likely to hold. 
And Biden is the incumbent who's going to get hit and he's going to fall. And so that pattern is going to hurt Biden, not help Biden. And so when it, it's very it's a very different situation when Obama rides this swell uh, into uh, into office and succeeds with a big policy proposal by putting forth Mitt Romney's conservative health care plan. That's the best you could do, buddy. <laughs> yeah, great. How about you get do what your voters actually wanted, which was universal health care. But OK, let's put my gripes with Obama and Obamacare aside and say, they accomplished a major public policy thing and he still got hit. Here we have Biden coming in, barely sort of squeaking in, not exactly the most exciting Obama level excitement candidate. And then, boom, he gets hit with this huge failure of the the leftover conservative justices from the last uh, administration are destroying uh, American civil rights, and you're going to do largely nothing about it. Obama, I mean, Biden, please prove me wrong. Pelosi, please prove me wrong. Listen to AOC. Listen to the other young, energetic Democrats in your party who say we can do things. We can issue executive orders. We can start to pack the court. We can fix this. We can start funding you, without even violating the Hyde Amendment. If you really care about that, you can you know pay uh, and and fix this situation and protect abortion providers in various states. You can f- help fund the legal defenses of the, you know, the the attorney generals who are attacking the trigger laws that immediately went into place uh, that ban abortion in various states and point out how inconsistent and overlapping and vague they are and how they they don't actually you know uh, say what they you know, think they say. And Wisconsin's law is from 1849 and is written in Sanskrit basically and is. <laughs> meaningless. Yeah, obviously there are ways to protect abortion rights in this country and Biden and Pelosi and the rest have to be hitting the pavement right now to prove that they're going to do that. that They're going to do something. And if they don't, oh my God, imagine Obama comes in, massive public policy win with Obamacare. He still gets slammed with a backlash with the conservatives who say, oh, he's coming for your guns and your religion. Imagine how bad it's going to be for Biden who just barely limps into office over Trump and then gets slammed with the biggest failure of the conservatives are winning. And his what, what, what you're going to energize your young, uh, you know, liberal uh, volunteers to go out and knock on doors for a guy who won't accomplish any of the policy goals of the le- of the left. Well, no, Biden's got four months to get organized. Oh and speaking of speaking of religion, through half of it. Oh, and, and speaking God. of religion, let's go to topic number two, which is does America now have an official religion yeah. football? So Supreme Court recently said just a few days ago, the Washington State football coach up there in Bremerton, I think, uh, he said uh, the court said he may invite the team to a 50 yard line prayer after the game. Thank you, Lord, for no spinal cord injuries once again today. Not yesterday. We had one yesterday. But today, thank you for none. Right. So six, three decision uh, said that the coach was within his First Amendment rights and he was not acting in his capacity as a school official when he prayed (laughs) at the 50 yard line after the game and he invited students to join him he the court said he did not thereby cause the school to violate the establishment clause of the first amendment yeah that says the government shall not establish a religion uh it did not endorse a particular religion gorsuch uh, authored the opinion he was joined by robert salito uh, clarence thomas barrett and kavanaugh key to the opinion i think was they pointed to evidence that no student felt coerced to participate uh he rejected the idea that any visible religious conduct by a teacher or coach should be deemed without more and as a matter of law impermissible permissibly coercive 
on a student. So this is a big turnaround from Huge. the decades-long trend by the U.S. Supreme Court of saying no prayer in schools. We're very sensitive to yeah. the idea of something called the lemon test. Yeah, something, and they kind of tossed the lemon test overboard. Yeah, it's the lemon test gone. was uh, you have a secular or non-religious purpose, or you don't advance or inhibit a religion. You do not promote an extreme entanglement with religion on the government's part. That's the lemon test that's pretty much tossed out yeah, by this uh, opinion. What's your take on uh, Justice Gorsuch's opinion in this case? Most importantly, I think it, we should all be paying attention to the features of Gorsuch's opinion, not even the legal reasoning, uh, because it doesn't really matter. What what really matters is the facts that Gorsuch purported to work with. What he really did was he molded them and, and, and shaped them in his hands. Because interestingly, if if he had used the same facts that most court observers and journalists would have used and uh, identified, and that Sonia Sotomayor, she used in her dissent, with his legal analysis, he likely would have come to the conclusion that, oh, yeah, this was a violation of the Establishment Clause. clause. He crossed the line into using his position as a, 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 the coach, a football coach at this public school to you know, establish the official religion, right? And, and, to, and to contribute to the establishment of a, an official religion in our society um, and, and have it be government sanctioned. That is the important thing. The facts, the set of facts that he used. In his opinion, he said a bunch of things that the facts don't bear out, that we live in a post-fact world now. So Supreme Court justices just write opinions where they narrate what happened in this case, and they say things like, this coach was praying at a time when most of the kids, the, the students, the high school students had control over their own time, they were, uh, you know, could do other things, that he wasn't, uh, you know, that th- there wasn't, basically he was saying it wasn't the focal point of what was going on. Right. But in reality, this coach started a trend. He started a process after by which after the game or before the game or whatever it was, he would go out to the 50-yard line and in full view of everyone— he would kneel and pray. And then he began being joined by other people, uh, people in the stands, family members, uh, other coaches, whoever. And then he began being joined by students who voluntarily came out to the 50-yard line and joined him in this prayer. And then the process expanded until it was the vast majority of students, and it became a long presentation where he would carry around the two helmets of the of the opposing teams and talk about how they were praying for each other. And Did all. it become a Billy Graham crusade? It was basically a Billy Graham crusade! And it doesn't matter that at one point in, in time, he was out there alone, sort of on his own time, not coercing the students into doing whatever. It, in reality, there were students who said, I'm an atheist, but I feel like I'm not going to get playtime on this team if I don't go out there and pray with the coach. I feel coerced. I feel pressured. And everybody knows that a high school football game is a school activity. And you're a coach. You represent the school. You tell the kids what to do by virtue of your power and position as the coach, as hired and paid by this public school from which the, your, the government pays the, this guy's salary. So the facts are very different. Establishment of religion and the lemon test are nuanced. They're complicated because there's a thin line. It's not like you're going to say to a Muslim teacher, you can't pray five times a day to Mecca because the kids might be influenced or something. That's not what the establishment of religion. You can still pray in school. Teachers can pray in school. They can pray in a way that is unobtrusive and is not coercive and is not does not require attendance or participation by the students. They can simply pray on their own time and not flex their own power to be to influence the students to do uh, 
or, or feel coerced to, to join them or participate or recognize it or whatever. And that's a really thin, complicated line that is a fact, factual argument, case by case basis, from classroom to classroom, from football field to football field. And in this case, he very clearly started somewhere and ended somewhere else with this big activity with every, you know, one of these football players and their parents out there and he's going on and on and on with his religious sermon, basically. Mm-hmm. He's clearly at the end of this process has created a violation of the establishment clause. He's created a situation that brings this un, uh, this disallowed coercion and effect and 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 establishment and, and supremacy of his version of religion and forcing kids to sort of participate in this and endorsing it and telling all the kids this is the way to do it and this is the right thing, et cetera, et cetera. Flexing his power as the coach. Gorsuch it was like he interpreted the set of facts as though the set the, the the way that it began you know years previous before this coach you know became famous and was on national news for this case because he was it was such a big deal that he was praying with all his students and making it into a sermon basically he, he was on you know USA today after the lawsuit happened right or, 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 sorry good morning america or whatever after the lawsuit happened on mm-hmm. the cover of, of USA today it was like Gorsuch wanted to go back in time and say that this guy was just praying on his own before the game, you know, muttering under his breath, basically. Of course, that's not an established violation of the Establishment Clause, but that's crazy. And Sonia Sotomayor, in a somewhat unprecedented, I've never seen this, she drops a big picture in the middle of her descent, a <laughs> photograph of all the students in their foot, school paid for football uniforms crowding around him in the center with all the people spectating and watching. And he's holding up the school's helmet with their logo and he's shouting about God. That is clearly over the line into the establishment clauses, you know, forbidden territory. And it was it was a totally a, a totally just disregarded the facts of the case completely. It was like Gorsuch just argued the case that he wanted this case to be. And horrifyingly, that is this post fact era. This is what Trump does to America. We're no longer arguing about the facts really were and how we should interpret them based on. We're just making stuff up, and our arguments are based on that. Well, we've covered the substance. Now I want to talk about a style issue. And specifically, it's another one of my pet peeves, Connor. Okay. You're very familiar with the fact that I have a problem with people mixing up figuratively and literally. Oh, yeah. And you've defended the, oh, you know, it's yeah. the modern way. Let's not re-fight re that Re-litigate. fight. Re-litigate. But here's, here's what bothered me. The Wall Street Journal had a headline about this Supreme Court decision about the praying coach. Okay. And the decision, excuse me, the headline said, quote, Supreme Court says high school coach can pray on field. Now... The word can, when I was in elementary school, we would say, teacher, can I go to the bathroom? And she'd say, well, little mister, that's a good question. I guess you're physically capable of going to the bathroom. You don't look like the prime minister of uh, North Korea, because the myth is he he doesn't defecate. Right. So don't you really mean, may I go to the bathroom? And I've never forgotten that. Obviously, it's made a big impact on me. Just like my uh, teachers used to say, you know, I'd say, uh, uh, I'm done, I'm done. And they'd say... Cakes are done. People are finished. <laughs> All right. Same kind of thing. Yeah. So why would the Wall Street Journal... Am I wrong? Is this another stupid royal pet peeve? Don't we recognize still that the word can means physically capable? So when they said the coach can pray, of course he can pray in the field. Maybe they'd execute him. Right. If, but shouldn't they have said may? May, absolutely. And I'm with you on this one because I think that is... Uh, it is slightly more confusing and misleading even than figurative, figuratively and literally. Uh, I think that people... People really do draw a distinction between between can and may. And in questions of law and philosophy, it is very important to distinguish between cans and mays. Absolutely. Yep. That's the whole point. When we come back, our final topic, did the Supreme Court just gut the Miranda rule? Stick with us on... 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Buckle up, folks. The Car Pro Show podcast is here to rescue you from the doldrums of everyday life. And you can find it on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast cravings take you. What do we have here, doctor? Looks like yet another case of the Car Pro Show podcast giddies. Do you concur? I concur. And it's spreading like wildfire. I know, but the podcast is so powerful. Jerry and Kevin dish out all the juicy car news from the Car Pro Friends universe. They review and chat about the latest car lineups from all the big players in the industry. And they take live calls to help steer car buyers in the right direction. It's highly addictive and impossible to shake. Do we alert the press? Are you crazy? If more people discover the Car Pro Show podcast and its cornucopia of car curriculum, this thing will spiral out of control. <laughs> Listen to the Car Pro Show on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast desires take you. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com <laughs> Too many lives. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Conrad. So everybody knows about the Miranda Rule because right. everybody loves Dragnet. Okay? Uh, Supreme Court back in the 60s. That is how people know about Miranda. Yeah. Nobody reads Earl Warren's opinions in 1962. (laughs) They know that under the Constitution, per the Supreme Court, you have to tell a a criminal suspect, somebody you're you're interrogating, they have a right to a a lawyer for free, and they have a right to be silent under the Fifth Amendment. And if they don't give that warning to the the suspect, then whatever they get, they can't use. They're fruit of the poisonous tree. It's called the exclusionary rule, and it's not the same in other countries. There are a lot of countries where even if the cops violate your rights, they can use the evidence they get against you uh, and you just have uh, recourse, for example, in civil court. You could sue the cops and say, oh, you owe me money because you did this and you shouldn't have been able to do that. Right. Or you should be disciplined uh, as cops and re- or whatever. But they, they can use the evidence against you. In America, they can't use that evidence in court against you. Right. The jury never sees it. And funny you mentioned that yeah. because that's where we're headed with this court the decision of what the supreme court said uh, recently and they didn't gut miranda i just said that to be cute and they did tease it so everybody would stick around they, for they the did. end of the podcast what they did was the supreme court said okay of course still if you don't give them their miranda warning and you get some juicy stuff you may not use the juicy stuff in case but the supreme court also decided that if the cop fails to warn you of your right to uh, clam up the cops may not be sued, according to the Supreme Court, because they concluded Miranda warnings are not a constitutional guarantee. They overruled the Ninth Circuit, which had held that Miranda violations are tantamount to Fifth Amendment infringements, thus letting victims sue under the civil rights law, sue the cops. Supreme Court has just now said, whereas Miranda bars introduction of unwarned statements into evidence of trial, it does not make it unconstitutional for the cops not to inform suspects of these rights. So you can't sue the cops under the civil rights law. What's your uh, what's your take on this twist uh, by the Supreme Court on Miranda? This problem is this creates the problem that um, it's a it's a first step. Right. First off, obviously, we have a a a a system uh, of 
of criminal justice in the, in this country that uh, puts way too many people behind bars for way too minor of offenses for way too long. It's a massive problem. We have mass incarceration, and we need to take drastic measures, drastic steps to uh, improve that, to make things better, and to, to lock fewer people up and for less time, and to help people who commit crimes to get out of the situations that lead to them committing crimes and to help better themselves, improve their lot in life, and bounce back and become happy, productive members of society, you know, brothers and sisters, fathers and, and mothers and, and husbands and wives, and all these great things that they can be and they can accomplish. Those should be the goals of our criminal justice system. Instead, we have a criminal legal system that has nothing to do with justice, largely, that that, that is full of people who, for their own career benefits, mostly, want to lock up as many people for as long as possible. And because of our human instincts and the fact that more violence committed against people uh, uh, who we deem to be less worthy and valid, uh, that we call criminals and bad, uh, more violence makes us feel good and feel safe. Um, vindicating that is a very profitable venture for the uh, companies and, and individuals that make billions and billions of dollars off our mass incarceration system. So that is the situation that we start with. That is the bedrock upon we build this opinion. And the Supreme Court waltzes into that situation and says, you know what? Too many people are getting their rights vindicated in a civil court and they're getting collecting too much money from cops who violate their rights. You know what? When cops violate people's rights, it's not that important. They should not be compensated when their rights are violated. Was the dramatic that- pause included in the yeah, opinion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Of course, it's I wonder where you got that dramatic pause. It is. Is this what we should be doing with our time, Supreme Court justices? Trying to say that you can't sue cops more? That you can't vindicate your rights and protect your civil rights Wouldn't more, you really? Wouldn't you rather they spend time on that opinion as opposed to, say, the abortion or yeah. the gun control? If only they, were, they had to choose. If only they were doing one thing. But instead, they're just adding this cherry on top of the crap Sunday that was this violation of, uh, of rights in America— from by the Supreme Court. I mean, seriously, the, the idea that, that the real problem in America is that cops are getting sued too much about their the fact that, uh, yeah, they don't give people Miranda warnings and then people get, you know, uh, uh, coerced into uh, false confessions or coerced confessions or don't get represented by counsel when they should get represent, represented by counsel and they have worse outcomes. They shouldn't be able to sue the cops over that. That's just happening too much. First of all, it's just not happening. Basically, nobody gets those that vindication. Basically, Basically, no cops get sued currently. This is this is a solution to a problem that barely exists. And, and when it is happening, it's generally a very good thing. And it's a very important incentive for cops to think that they might be liable or their department, at least even they might even just they're, they're not going to be personally liable because cops are never personally liable for anything. But at least their their chief might yell at them if there's a lawsuit that results in millions of dollars getting paid out by the cops insurance company and the, and the, the, the government. Maybe that's a, a something to disincentivize them. Obviously, the exclusionary rule is massively important. It's very important because there's just there's just no no amount of uh, of civil uh, uh, lawsuit will stop cops from coercing confessions. It, you you need the exclusionary rule to exclude the fruit of the poisonous tree to get that evidence out that shouldn't be allowed because they got it by improper means. That's a very important rule. It's foundational. It's bedrock. And most places do use that rule, even in the rest of the world. Rule even in the rest of the world. Some don't, but most do. The, this is just the the like I said the cherry on top. It's not that important a part of our our process because it's so rare for these people to have those rights vindicated in that way already. It's just already almost impossible to do it. But why? Why is this case in the front of the Supreme Court? Why is it being decided? Why is it being decided now? It's because 
the court is stripping away, chiseling like Michelangelo, sculpting David's tiny testicles, chip, chip, chip away at the marble to reveal that hideous monster inside, which is this, the future of fascist America where we don't have these rights, where your rights are not protected by the Constitution because the rights aren't important. This right isn't deeply entrenched. That one isn't important. This one, they're just piece by piece by piece, they're chipping away because that is the overall legal project of what we now consider to be the extremist, like MAGA right, the people who don't care about the rights of individuals, who only care about, you know, the power and influence of the few and the wealthy and the, the people who are on top, instead of the the role of government being to vindicate the little guy who needs your help. Not to be picky, but I actually have seen uh, Michelangelo's David. Wow, the testicles really? are not tiny. They're not. He's like eight feet tall. Wow. This, it's a giant sculpture. Yeah, yeah but it's it's so a, they're big. They're big balls. It's amazing. <laughs> so we've got just enough time, Connor, for America's favorite game show: oh Guess God. the Verdict. Oh, and actually, you know, I say that every week. It's, a nice. It's kind of a lie. Yeah. Because to be honest, it's Connor, a podcast. Technically, Jeopardy, um, Wheel of Fortune, The Price Is Right, Password, name that tune, and 173 other game shows are more popular than this. Technically, if you just looked at the ratings, the numbers. I'm yeah. still going to call it. Thank you. So here's the deal. America's most popular game show. Yeah, Connor gets to uh, guess the outcome of a real live case. It's a, it's a short one. It's it's about a cowboy's last request. Uh, Longview, Washington, a longtime member of the cowboy fraternity, uh, passed on to his reward. Went up to the big round up in the sky. Uh, he had a last request, Connor. He wanted to be buried in his cowboy outfit from his hat to his boots. And he was, except at the last minute, the funeral director, for some reason, uh, maybe he thought the casket couldn't close or something if the Stetson was there. He removed the cowboy's hat. Well, when the widow oh. found out, yeah. the widow filed a lawsuit. And that's the legal dispute you get to guess the outcome of. Wow. Who wins? The widow lady or the funeral director all dressed in black on the plains? Well, the Washington State Plains. I guess yeah. inland there get some planes. You know, it might not seem important. It might seem silly, but I'm guessing that this lady's claim was not for some sort of extravagant amount. It's not like she's out here saying, I want a billion dollars for this. She's just saying, I want whatever tiny amount of damages compensate me for your uh, you know, violation of this, uh, this contract that we had. You had a deal, we had a deal, and you broke that deal. And maybe she's saying, uh, as a result of that, you negligently inflicted emotional distress. N-I-E-D is negligent infliction of emotional distress. That is the most extreme version of, uh, of this that I can possibly imagine. There's no way she could sustain an intentional infliction of emotional distress, I-I-E-D. You know, maybe she she's could, arguing she for N-I-E-D. If the funeral director sent an email the day before the funeral <laughs> to his friend and said, I'm going to piss off the widow lady yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah, that would be I intentional. I think I've created a pretty good hypothetical for intentional good. infliction that of emotional distress. Good. So yeah. without, absent those extreme facts, I think the best she gets is breach of contract, basically, uh, because the contract says do this and, and the, 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 the funeral director did that. I think she wins, but I think it's a tiny amount. You are right. She won. Yes. And it's it's tiny compared to a billion. It was yeah. $101,000. Holy cow. That's I'm not a sure, lot. I'm not sure how. I the, was wrong. <laughs> the cowboy widder lady love and jury came up with that. Holy cow. But that this was must the have number. Been a so Texas jury. I got to say. Congratulations. Texas size verdict. To Ethel. 
All right, we've done it, Connor. We've gotten through some pretty heavy topics. Uh, plus, of course, the always important to guess the verdict. Yeah. Uh, everybody, I hope you have a great week, and we probably won't have quite as dramatic uh, decisions to report on. Yeah, this next has time. been a, this has been a pretty heavy show. I, I got to say to all those listeners out there who are, are are sort of feeling down in the dumps and 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 like the 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 things are real dark. And and as I said earlier in this podcast, I am not a particularly optimistic person. I think often that things are gonna get worse before they get better. Um, and I don't just do that to be contrarian or to hope to be proved right. I, I just, you know, that's just the kind of person I am. But you don't have to be uh, a, a negative uh, Nancy or Nettie about this uh, situation. We can fix things. Things can improve. We just need to hand the reins of power to the right people and make the right moves. And we need to vote. But we need to do much more than vote. Uh, and I think that sometimes... Things are darkest before the dawn. Not to be complacent, but I think a better world is theoretically possible, even though we might not have any rights left by the end of the next Supreme Court justice's term. Pretty good speech. Maybe people should be voting for Connor Oaks. See you next time on Too Many Lawyers. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.